0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to a very special exciting day of the saturday morning DD show lovely to have you all here live with us in chat my name is jordan with a silent ph in the middle and i am joined always by my wonderful co-host sir lucian over at sir lucian gaming say hello
1: sir hello sirs ma'ams everybody's they's thems thens uh all of you (laughs) welcome everybody (laughs)
0: We have uh, a lot to talk about. Very exciting Ew. stuff in the world of Dungeons and Dragons, um, and so I guess we'll just kind of get right into it. Um, uh, the crazy the, little book announcement—the book that was announced—you were right, Lucian. You were on the fence. You're like, I don't I know what it's going to be, but now that Jordan's talking anthology, I'm thinking anthology.
1: That's where I um, went, yep. He's I thought it was going to be
0: older adventures, but apparently this new book, Candlekeep Adventures, is uh, it's going to be 17 one-shots, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it almost has to be one-shots, because there's 17 adventures. That's a like, lot. That's a lot for one book. Uh, yeah. So I don't think this is going to be more than, like, an evening of D&D, but that's, that's fine, and that's fun. Um, but mm-hmm. they're not older adventures. They are a bunch of uh, writers that they hired to write adventures specifically for this Mm -hmm. um so candle heap adventures will have uh and some really cool writers too so ones that i recognize sherlock holmes mark holmes Holmes. uh he will be one of the writers i was looking up the names here um and uh, Amy Vorpal, and Amy Vorpal has she's big an actress. She does a bunch of D and D stuff. She's really big in the community. She's super cool. Uh, yeah. Daniel Kwan, who has yeah. his Asians Represent podcast, um, yeah. and he has been a big proponent of like. Re- rewriting Keratour uh, and getting rid of like the Asian stereotypes, but actually celebrating Asian culture with yeah. Dungeons and Dragons, and and Tour can be like that. And I thought that was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he's just a really good person and really really interesting guy. His podcast is amazing. Uh, so I'm excited <laughs> to see what he wrote. Uh, and then Christopher Perkins, I love yeah. Chris. Chris writes really good adventures. I'm really Chris excited. He's good at that. <laughs> he's good at that. So this is what we're working, or this is what's going on. I think it's really exciting um and plenty any, of more people there was oh a yeah lot. there's a big there's list, lots. those sure. were the names that stuck out to me because that's yeah, yeah. who I, I recognized um mm-hmm. but no uh yeah uh, uh sarah madsen taymor rayman i don't know a lot of these people but um mm-hmm.
1: but well I, yeah. I think there's some dm's guild people in mm-hmm. there i think they really reached out to the community really reached out to people that were already in the community or have mm-hmm. some they weren't just like random out there kind of stars and they were going to bring in one time to do something D and D like they didn't run out and get, you know, Vin Diesel or something like that. This was like, these are people that you see playing D and D or talking Mm -hmm. about D and D or doing stuff within the D and D community. And then they brought them in, you know, for the most part. And I I know,
0: I know people like Matt Mercer are busy, but I'm surprised that they didn't get like Deborah Ann Wool to write something, you know, yeah, just because of the name. But yeah. she's also a talented dungeon master, so uh, yeah. it would make sense to do that. But, uh, yeah. i talented
1: actress and, and maybe super busy.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's the other thing. is yeah. she might be busy, yeah. I just don't know. Um, yeah. But I know Matt's super busy, so that's he probably yeah. was asked and, like, no, thank you. Uh, I've got, a, like, a whole world to keep writing to do a yeah. weekly show. Um, but, yeah, so I think the idea is that you're at Candlekeep, and you find like a book and it's like, oh, let's read this story. And then the idea is that you like play that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I could be wrong, but it kind of feels like why else would you be at Candlekeep other than, I mean, you could do this exact same premise, but you're at a bar oh. and someone's like, let me tell you the story of this. And then you play out the game. But
1: yeah. Well, Mr. <laughs> Forgotten Realms lore guy, there are maybe people who don't know what Candlekeep is. Oh, man. So yeah, that's true. They don't know. Maybe you should tell them a little bit, tiny bit about Candlekeep.
0: Just, just a wee bit <laughs> of that Candlekeep. So Candlekeep is a, uh, it is the lo- it is the library of Alexandria. It is Everybody. the world, it is the largest library in the Forgotten Realms and houses all kinds of books, but not just mm-hmm. historical books. Like they have cookbooks and they, I mean, literally everything. And, and in order to gain admittance to Candlekeep, you need to provide a book they don't have. So the idea is that they're constantly getting an influx of new books of mm-hmm. people who only want to visit Candlekeep. So like they're, you know, and then and then the the monks there are copying and, and make preserving data, preserving knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, I think that's the idea is that you're you're at Candlekeep for whatever reason, um, your adventures. And so you are exploring the different stories that are within Candlekeep. And so this mm-hmm. this will take you or could potentially take you anywhere in the realms, but anywhere, really anywhere. Like, yeah. because it's like, Oh, I heard this story from, I mean, I'm sure they have literature on dark sun and planescape, and all this other stuff. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, but, uh, I'm excited for it because I, I use these resources a lot of just like a, to just say, Hey, do you want to play a night of D D? It's kind of fun mm-hmm. to just have these and, uh, to have them all in one book and to also have them, uh, well, they go up in level, and so I was wondering, if you had like five friends, could you do the rotating DM? So it's like, okay, I'll run level one, you run level two, you run level three, and you kind of just, so everyone gets a chance to play. Like, I like that round robin well, I feel like style. They,
1: I thought I heard that there's at least an Easter egg-like connection between all of them, if not a full-on, you can play them all in order, but there is a loose link that a DM yeah. could try to thread and weave all of this into a large campaign. And I wonder I if that, that is,
0: that Oh no, the monster's going to eat candle keep. We have to like read all these books as fast as possible. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Something like that, but, but no, well, and that's what they want. They wanted to have like, if you want to play it all together, you could. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think it really is they're they're Well, I shouldn't say they're recognizing this, but, um, so many, you watch any like YouTuber or Twitch person that's, that is obsessed with role-playing games. When a new book like this comes out, um, Over half of them all the time will say, I don't think I'll run this, but I definitely will use this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've done it before, too, with, like, Theros. Like, I don't think I'll run a Theros game, but boy, I like that piety system. Boy, I like this, you know. And so you kind of compartmentalize. And uh, so cash in on that. And that's kind of what they're doing, where it's like, you mm-hmm. could just, you know, take this and do this. Uh, no no new classes or anything, because it is an adventure, but there'll be new monsters and new magic items. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I don't know. There was mixed reactions, I guess. Some people were, like, yeah. on board, and some people well, were like, why not? Why are we doing this? But Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: it's a Dungeon Master's resource, right, yeah. number one. So immediately you're going to get the group that's like, oh, like you just said, there's no subclasses or there's... There might be spells and things in here, but they're not ones you can just add nice. to your character sheet right off. There have to be ones that maybe you stumble upon in these adventures. You're not, you know, you're not starting out level one with that cool new level one spell in the book because you're probably not buying this book as a player to to grab that yeah. stuff to put on your character, right? Absolutely. So there's a big part of the community that's not like, oh, well, is this book even for me? I may get to experience it. My dungeon master might use pieces of it, but that's not one I would really buy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is cool, and it is a Dungeon Master resource. Um, I like the idea, too, just the campaign idea hook, because you could put a Library of Alexandria in any world, right? You can put that in your new world you're creating. Mm-hmm. You could put that in Eberron. You could put in there, there's this building, there's this cult, there's this group, there's these monks, there's these people that want to gather all the knowledge of the world. And the way you can get in to see that knowledge is you have to give them a new piece of knowledge, a new book. Mm-hmm. And that mechanic's kind of cool because right there you have your hook into how part of your adventure is going to go. First part is you guys need to go find a book that they don't have, right? Yeah. Then you get to come back, and then you get the thing you do want. And that kind of can tie you in and do a lot of things. Or <clears throat> maybe you're being hired by these people to go do stuff. Books are missing. A new book has been found or heard of. A book that was taken needs to be returned. Um, you know, there's an author out there that they need somebody needs protecting so they can finish the book they're writing. Yeah. I mean, you could really start to reach around how could Candle Keep itself hire adventures or what would they need adventures mm-hmm. for to do something? So that could be kind of a cool so there could be some cool angles in there. And then I'm assuming it's definitely Candle Keep, so it's definitely gonna be really forgotten realm based, though I'm sure there'll be a blurb at the beginning that says you can put this in any world. But I bet their authors focused on Forgotten Realms. So for a, you know, Forgotten Realms lore content creator, you're going to pick up some stuff probably that may has not been mentioned before or is, you know, has not been enough that you'll be able to go back and make a video on and say, oh, one of these adventures took us to Myth Draenor to do this thing. And here's some new lore about Myth Draenor that we didn't know. Or Mm -hmm. here's some new lore that I bet none of you knew about. So another cool thing for those people that are really into Forgotten Realms to find out maybe some new some new stuff we didn't know or see some areas we haven't been to yet or those kinds of things. So it feels kind of cool. Um, but I could see a big portion of the, I mean, being a letdown. Like like you just said, this is something that we would probably buy but not use in full. So are you getting your $59 worth? Yeah. You, you probably buy it on Amazon, so you get it a little cheaper. Probably.
0: Well, $50. I don't think they, they go higher than 50 It was 50. Like
1: 90, um, But,
0: yeah, $49, 49 basically. So, and, I yeah. mean, I don't know. That's That's what – I, I, as a tabletop enthusiast, I can't say this anymore because I, I do. I buy a lot of books that I, yeah, I buy books that I never in. intend to run <laughs> strictly because I want to learn how the system does stuff. Um, yeah. And, but that's because I'm interested in design and things like that. So it all comes, I mean, this argument we've talked about a whole bunch, but I think it always comes yeah. down to, are you enjoying it?
1: You know, <laughs> so. Yeah, I was out of frame there. I didn't realize that. I was oh, wrong. no,
0: out of frame, Lucian. No. Um So. I don't Interesting. Know. Uh it comes with a map of Candle Keep, which will be cool.
1: Um, now, another so, yeah. thing, here's a question. Did you hear this? I didn't see it in the notes, but does it sound like these are a lot of mystery type adventures? That's what they're, they're advertising because it's candle
0: keep mysteries and it's an anthology of
1: 17 mystery so, themed adventures. Yeah. That had me taken a little back a little bit because I'm like, okay, I could see I I could use a mystery themed adventure here or there mm-hmm. to intersperse with my campaign every now and then. But did I need 16 mystery campaigns? <laughs> you know, well, and, I I'm, I like combat, I like heavy action, I like you know big blockbuster Brockheimer movie stuff. Oh, it might not be for you then,
0: but we'll, few, we'll have to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do I was
1: I was curious if it's just going to be
0: an M Night Shyamalan, you know, who done it? Not who done it, but like twist mm-hmm. at the end kind of a thing. Right. Um, and that's the mystery because we were we were talking about on Discord that I. Uh, D&D as a system does not handle mystery well. And wow. so uh, you kind of have to take out the... There's no mechanical way to... Well, there are mechanical yeah. ways, but I'm going to say that. There's not a, mechani- a good mechanical way... To handle mysteries. So then it's up to your players to just think creatively, uh, which is fine and great. And you might have a lot of fun with this. But when the player's looking at you, like, I don't understand the puzzle. Can I roll an intelligence check? It's like, ah, it's not. Can you give me the answer? My character does it. Yeah, you're
1: relying on the player more than the character in a mystery adventure. Because it's not about, you know, um, brawn strong arm the dwarf it's more about can dan the player figure out what you're saying mm-hmm. you know and yeah i can make a few rolls here maybe you can give me some clues but i've always found as a dungeon master trying to make a mystery has always been tough because yeah you can you can create a couple of clues that you think are obvious and then your party is stumped for the entire night and mm. in your mind you're like my god this is totally obvious why are they not getting it i don't know what to do because for whatever reason, it's not obvious to them. They're just not getting it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, they get it on one guess and you're done, right? They're yeah. just like, oh, it's that door. It's, the is right there. Let's gab him. And then what do you do with the rest of your adventure at that point? Once they've latched on to somehow they guessed it or figured it out or whatever. So mysteries are, are almost like a, a hot potato. I have not done a lot of in my game. So I'm not very good at them, for sure. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I wouldn't have. To, so maybe this will be a resource that shows me a good way to do them. I hope that that's possible, but I wonder how easy it is to make a good mystery. That's going to play out in a role-playing game. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I mean, if, if if we all, if we all get on the phone
0: and call up Sarah McLaughlin and find out what it takes to build a mystery. Yeah, we might, we might be able to do that uh 97 reference okay um moving on no <laughs> but that was the big thing candlekeep mysteries it's gonna be fun it comes out march something uh so first book for march Wizards 16th will be march so, so that'll that's... be that'll be fun um yeah. and yeah got some good, good writers cent. uh but ultimately you know you never know if it's a buy or not until somebody buys it and you can look at it and flip through it um yeah, in, but i cover
1: what'd you think of the cover
0: cover was fine didn't yeah. blow me away the alt cover is
1: it? interesting and different and i kind of like I gotta, that gotta look that up i hadn't seen that one yet i only saw the announcement for the um yeah,
0: yeah no so the regular Candlekeep mysteries cover they're looking at books they're building a mystery mm-hmm. and uh the alt cover is a um it kind of looks like an old uh so you know when when uh, barnes and noble and and a lot of those uh uh book chains they started taking classic public domain books and putting them in those really nice covers that have like the foil you know and it'd oh, be like yeah. hp lovecraft you know cthulhu mm-hmm. or something uh it reminds me of that where it's a, this nice kind of foil old looking book and it says candle keep mysteries and so nice. uh nice. It, it's nice but again i i love i love the alternate covers mm-hmm. they're always well they're always fun except Saltmarsh. Saltmarsh was the only one i didn't like but they're they're for the most part they're always fun Um, but they don't match the rest of my books on my shelf and I Mm -hmm. don't like them for that reason. And I don't buy them for that reason because (laughs) I guess I'm just, I don't know. I, I'm organized like that where I want to look at my shelf and be like, here are my fifth edition books. Look how they all line up. It's so nice. And when they don't do that, that, I get frustrated
1: behind you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Those
1: (laughs) Those ones over there behind Mr. Organized. (laughs) Yeah, It's fun.
0: Anyway. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, but I, I like these more than, uh, mechanics nowadays. Mm -hmm. I like, I like these fun storybooks because I get a lot of ideas and I guess, I guess I'm learning that I enjoy running D&D more than I like playing in it. Uh, and so it's really fun for me to read a story and be like, oh, but like, what if they went to hell next? Or, you know, something like that. Like, I like that. And yeah. having jumping off points. And I think it's a lot of that's fun. That's definitely a comment
1: I was so. thinking about is that they went back again to something ultimately familiar, ultimately not new or groundbreaking for them. Mm-hmm. They've made board games with the Candle Keep name. I think there's even, um, I'm sure there was like a board game that's like a Mystery on the Hill kind of thing, but it was a Candle Keep version of it, I thought. Betrayal at House on um, the Hill? Yeah. That I think was they Baldur's
0: Gate. They made a Baldur's Gate version of that. Yeah, but I
1: thought Candle Keep was prominently displayed in that somehow. I mean, or they had a version of it, or I'll have to look at They it had a Scooby but,
0: Doo version, but yeah, yeah, Avalon Hill, it's its own thing now. They're separated from Wizards of the Coast, yeah. I guess. So. No, but Wizards
1: of the Coast has a, a board game thing that they create right now. There's another board game division that's building board games. Oh, game okay. Divisions. Well, I haven't heard of a Candle Keep game, so I don't yeah. know. Uh, or I'm sure I heard it in a video game, I thought too, at some point. So, But it feels like it's another place that people have heard of and at least know a little bit about yeah, versus them just pulling a, you know, a city out of, you know, just anywhere out, out near Thay or, you know, we haven't mm. even got Thay or anything like that yet. Um, so I think it's interesting that they're still not delving into anything really new that didn't come from first, second or third edition at this point for Dungeons and Dragons. I feel like, I don't know. It's like, is it a fear <laughs> they don't want to create
0: it. No, I, I think, They're uh, just leaning uh back in it. I, I, I think Hasbro makes them play it very safe. I think so. Um, and I've, I've talked about this with a couple of other creators that, uh, the, the backlash that they would see recreating something, whether they did a good job or a bad job mm-hmm. of something like Mastika or Carator or Zakara, al all that stuff. Uh, Expanding out of the non-European Sword Coast is—it's uh, a risk they don't want to take of of, of alienating limited. them things, uh, I th- alienating anybody because they want to make money. And I think Hasbro twists their arm to do that, but uh, but that's an opinion. I shouldn't get into a whole bunch of stuff like that. So yeah. I don't
1: know. But I mean, they could be doing anything around the Sea of Falling Stars. They yeah. could be doing Mueche Isles. They could be doing—you know—what's what, next to Chulk? Obviously, it's just a peninsula, so there's a whole other area right next to it that they could be expanding on. That most people don't know too much about. It's yeah. just interesting to me that they keep falling back on the tried and true stuff that they've marketed for for over and over and over. We haven't really seen a lot of new stuff. Now, you know, the book for Ravnica is new. The you know when they're doing those little things, those are new for them. So that's, I guess an outlet for them to do stuff that's not been done mm-hmm. before. So maybe no, that's, they did
0: yeah. say that they wanted to do more campaign settings this year, I think. Yeah. So, uh, we, I, so I can almost one guarantee count, one think? of those, maybe two of them are magic, the gathering settings, but I, I, I think that we're going to get some other, uh, minor settings. Cause right now the game is, well, I would, I would say to me, it is oversaturated with, with, uh, feats and, and classes and subclasses and spells and all this other stuff. And, uh, as a player, I'm having more fun creating my own spells for my wizard than digging through the, like all the different books that have all these extra things in them. Um, and I don't know. It's so it's, but maybe that's just me becoming the like older jaded, DD gamer this is this is the natural ebb and flow of the game <laughs> so i don't know
1: <laughs> yeah well i think we we hit that peak of there's so many books and resources out for an edition at some point the decline starts of mm-hmm. there's there's been too much released but i feel so do yeah you move to another version or do you continue that for a while finish out doing more resources you know when, when does that happen yeah but i just
0: well and this is an opinion but i i it, I Being a DM for so long with 5e, my players were already so powerful. And with Tasha's coming out, I really enjoyed the ranger changes, and I enjoyed mm-hmm. a couple of other things. But I think Wizards of the Coast was like, we can't make a book that only fixes the ranger, because then we acknowledge the ranger was broken. So we need to like give everybody new abilities. But we'll say they're all optional, but the minute I let the ranger in my game use those optional abilities to, quote, fix him... Then the, the fighter's like, well, I want to use my optional abilities. And I'm like, but you're already overpowered. Like, you're one of the strongest character classes in the game, and now you get more things to do. And the wizard's like, I want to yeah. change my cantrips all the time. Well, I would have let you change your, change your cantrips, but now you're just doing it willy-nilly because the rules let you. So, I don't know. We're going to... Ha- there is... A, uh, yeah, Shadzar makes a good point that... Um, uh, well, actually, I read that wrong. Sorry, but... Uh, you said big anniversary and I was thinking that wizards of the coast is, has a big anniversary coming up with D and D. And so yeah. we always talk about like the 50th anniversary is going to hit. Could and be something, something yeah. huge is got to happen.
1: Um, so this starts the clock. Then we know about candle keep adventures. We know it's going to be in March. That's three months into this year. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can guess that there's going to be another book, another three months after that. So maybe a, a June release maybe. So we know we've got an anthology. What are we thinking we're getting next after that? Then, because we know we're getting a couple of books this year. So, uh,
0: yeah, I would say getting... definitely a. I think I think the logical thing would be a Magic the Gathering this summer to tie in with yeah. the Magic the or the Forgotten Realms set that's going with Magic the Gathering. I think that's um, a good. And then good guess. maybe I don't know because that'd be an adventure
1: yeah. book and then a campaign world campaign guide. Yeah, a new world campaign guide. So. I could see that. Um, Other things in
0: the really cool news of Uh, D&D. Good friend. Well, I shouldn't say good friend. Person I've met once, uh, (laughs) Matt Colville, released uh, a magazine called Arcadia. Um, And it is not in print. I printed this off because I thought it was really cool. And the art is really awesome. But uh, a lot of buzz around this. Did you get a chance to read
1: this? Did you pick it up? I I perused it. I am not one of his patrons uh, at this point at the moment um and i believe it's a patron reward that you can get or you can buy uh through his patrons so it's
0: a it's five dollars to become a patron and you get it for free um or you can buy it from their site for seven dollars uh i should be a patron of of matt i'm just not uh and i ended up buying it for seven dollars and it's really it's really fun it's really worth the money um there are uh, there's some simple adventures in here. So, again, if you just want like a fun adventure and this is kind of the same feel as Candlekeep because they hired a, a bunch of writers mm-hmm. and the writers are like, here, I have this idea. And then they're like, that's a great idea. We want to pay you more money to expand upon it. And they have all these writers were like, what? <laughs> like, that's not how this works. Like, you <laughs> usually don't pay as well. So it's really cool that Matt is focused on. Um, he has the resources to make a quality mm-hmm. product and he's not afraid to invest money into the people to help make that product quality. Yeah. Um, James Tricasso is the lead designer slash editor, uh, of this, uh, magazine, Arcadia. And, mm-hmm. um, he has a really good intro where he's like, I met with Matt and Matt just said that we need to do really dope stuff that people want to use in their game And so Matt said in a video after this came out that he's like, everything that was in here, I like went through, you know, he read it and he's just like, I would use that in my game. And if he wouldn't use it in his game, he didn't want to put it in the magazine. And so Mm -hmm. it's really cool. Um, The, I haven't read all of the adventures, but specifically there's a new subclass for sorcerer that is uh let me find it here the titan heart titan base yeah Yeah. and i i was originally was like oh it's like you're a giant but no they're they're talking about things like krakens um -hmm. maybe even tarrasks or something like just these really titanic enormous yeah godzilla that is where you've got a little bit of that blood in you or something like that would also make for a fun patron i think to have like a kraken patron or something like that Mm -hmm. um but, yeah, it's really fun. Like, And apparently he playtested a lot of this stuff, and uh, specifically the Titan Heart Sorcerer. You can grow to be large. You get an AC increase. You can do this limited number of times per day. Um, mm-hmm. This is one of the first times that I've seen like a third-party uh, supplement thing that I'm like, I, I would use that at my table. Like, I think that's really fun. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times I find subclasses in these DMs Guild supplements that I get where I'm just like, well, I did you playtest this? Because right off yeah. the get-go, that is way too powerful. <laughs> or like, or like your first five levels of this class will be boring. Like, they need something yeah. right here. And I'm not saying I'm an expert, but like, when you play enough, you can look at something and just be like, no. Like, and maybe it plays differently. <laughs> I should say that. I, I don't know all the things, but... Uh, this was the first time that I'm like that looks really cool
1: yeah
0: um it also had some uh mount rules, which I
1: thought were really fun. Um, I've and- had to make those as a dm for yeah. my campaign. I went in because our my players were like, there's no real good mount rules in the game. they're very small what you can do and we wanted to expand on you know some cool stuff that if you're riding a mount mm-hmm. that you should be able to do. so we came up with some stuff that's one piece I want to dive into that when I go to get the the magazine is yeah. that. want to take a good look at those and see how they match up to some of the stuff I came up with and and what their ideas were. Yeah. It's not, it's not a, I mean, he reviews
0: the original rules, which you then get a sense of like, okay, these were just kind of like, and you can ride things. Um, but then he, there's a, a a vaulting attack you can do with your mount. Mm -hmm. Um, and then basically just new mounts. So, uh, one of the things that I really like about it is that your mount starts getting your proficiency bonus. Mm -hmm. added to its AC um, and it also gets temporary hit points three times your level. So like at the start of the day, your, your guy isn't going to be able to be healed constantly through a fight, Mm -hmm. but they can last a little bit longer. And I, and that's just a, I don't know. It's such a simple design element that fixes a lot of problems. My uh, warforged Eldritch Knight has a nightmare mount and I fly that amazing. all over, and it's really, really fun. But he does die quite a bit, and then I have to wait 24 hours to summon him back kind of a thing. Just having mm-hmm. the temporary hit points would be really cool. Uh, specifically, I really liked the giant toad mount, um, mm-hmm. and that was that was super fun. So yeah. uh, it's but just really it's cool. Done. It's lots of interesting stuff in here. Um, I think it's really put together well. There's uh, a few monsters. Uh, I don't think there were any magic items. But, yeah, the art's really cool. And he made a quality product, and they have three of these done. I feel like there's some spells in there, too, right? Did I see some I spells? Think I? Oh, yeah, yeah, there were for the Titan. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. The, the Titan heart. Uh, there were new spells for him that were elemental themed. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it reminds me of one of the first things I've seen. It's not quite there yet, but it's definitely close to the old, I'm going to go down to the game bookstore, and I'm going to pick up either the dungeon or... Dragon, you know, Dragon magazine, magazine yeah. to see what those writers are doing and there's cool stuff in there. But what I like about it is it's not full full of advertisements like a new normal magazine because like normal magazine is advertisement, cool article, advertisement, cool article, advertisement, cool. <laughs> you know, it's like one to one ratio of, you know, them trying to pay for the book that they're making, the magazine that they're making with the death of magazines and nobody buying any magazines, yeah. we just haven't had that anymore. So you have to kind of rely on the DMs Guild, but that takes a lot of searching and you don't quite know what you're getting sometimes. And and then the quality of those is really super hit and miss. This felt higher quality. This felt like there was an editor that edited it. There was a layout artist that did the layout. They actually paid for good art, which I think draws you into any magazine is good visuals, good articles are good but you need a visual to tie you in and i think they did a good job there 43ish pages and he wants to have like three of three items in magazines although i think this one had four the next couple have three and then the last one has four and then he's and i think in his video he talked about they've done a set of them they're going to release them see what people think if people love them then it's something they're thinking about continuing on if people are like, ah, it was okay, but, you know, moving on, then they'll just let it lie and, you know, mm-hmm. everybody will move on type thing. So it would be interesting to see where it goes. I like the idea, like what you said, Matt's in a position to help promote those in the community to do these things. Writers, artists, layout artists, you know, um, managers of it. James, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. To, to run the whole thing. He's able to get it going, get it going. And it's worth seven dollars. I mean, I, as far as everything I've seen on, you know, that I might have bought off of um, the the guild, DM's Guild, or I've bought off of Drive RPG, seven bucks mm. isn't bad. And there's definitely some stuff in there that I thought was really cool. Um, and it's very interesting. I'm interested to see what the next one is. So it's cool that somebody's doing a magazine, yeah. and it's of decent quality. And I hope it gets an even better quality to the point where it feels like one of those real magazines that. I mean, I still have them printed out. I still have a box of them in my basement of Dungeon and Dragon Magazine that I still will go back to and mm-hmm. look every now and then and find something cool inside that that you can use in any game. Right now, today, they were doing some cool – and I like the idea that they're just like, do you have a three-page idea? Do you have a two-page idea? Let's do it. Let's yeah. put it in here. Take it out. Let's put it in here and let see people see it. So I, I really kind of – kind of dig it so it's fun
0: i you know print print is dead um and i i mean for the most part but like i also there there's a certain joy of coming home and like oh my new issue of this is at my doorstep and that's really fun um and i was thinking about uh as you were like the way you were talking about it but i was thinking about like loot crates and mm-hmm. uh, how people got really excited for their loot crates. But even those are now spoiled for people because a lot of my friends that would do the subscription loot crate stuff, they look online. Oh, that's what's in this month's before it even yeah. arrives at their house. And I'm like, but there's a certain joy in that. And so you I like think the mystery. if if they <laughs> even did a print version of this, most people would be reading it digitally because you want to, if you're really excited about it, you want to read it first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and, and the price would have to go up if you did a print, but... I don't know. Matt was saying, like, he's like, we have to make sure that this makes money um, before we can continue. But it's a three month experiment. So they have, Mm -hmm. you know, this month and February and March all done. Yeah. So we're going to get three issues and then they're going to go back and be like, okay, did this make money? How can we do this? How can we improve? Is this what people want? But the reception of this has been huge. Like people all over are talking about it. And and I think uh, I think he has the the personality to make a new magazine based on, like, RPGs and D&D succeed. Uh, yeah. And, and he, he has an incentive, if he an incentive to make it succeed. If he wants to, yeah. Uh, and he has an incentive to make it succeed outside of something like the DM's Guild, where I don't think it even would succeed if it was on the DM's Guild. Or how mm. many... Uh, there's so many RPG zines. Many of them are fantastic that do Kickstarters, but I never hear about them, and I don't know the person behind it to really trust what i'm getting i guess so uh it's all word of mouth a lot of the times and and that's just a you know he's a he's got a good charisma and he mm-hmm. he talks to the camera really well and all of a sudden you're buying a magazine that you're like i didn't <laughs>
1: even know i wanted this but it's amazing so yeah. Anyway. And and when we said that we weren't patrons of Matt, what we actually said we are patrons of his because we both pumped a bunch of money into both of his kickstarters and have supported him his ideas right from the get go. So we are patrons in that way. I just am not been one of his monthly patrons at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we, I definitely support Matt wherever I can, and we loved when he came on the show and talked about his exciting project in the beginning, and we were so lucky, and it was just cool. I like that he's able to show his excitement and enthusiasm to people. He's able to say why he's excited about mm-hmm. it. If you ask him, you know, about the Dune board game, he's going to get lit up and excited. He's going to tell you all the reasons why it's super cool or he's going to talk about Star Wars he's going to tell you why things are super cool or what he thinks about those things. He has a really cool way of not only being excited himself but getting you excited about it while he talks about it because you're just like he was talking about one of my favorite videos of his to this day, as he's talking about the card game that I never played that was the um, the Japanese-based Legend card game. Legend of the Five
0: Rings or something? Legend of the yeah. Five
1: Rings. I was fascinated yeah. by that and knew nothing about it. Never played it, never bought a piece of it. But I was like, I could listen to this story forever. Yeah. It was so good. Anytime yeah. you hear somebody who's really passionate about stuff,
0: I find that they they make it interesting, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it is. It's like, oh, like let's talk about you know, palm OS or something. And it's like, yeah,
1: you have no idea. So back in the day and you're like, I didn't want to know about this, but like, yeah, those people, it could even be a boring thing and they make it. So it's not right. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just like, Oh my God, this is so interesting. And I'm into it now. I'm like, I want to know more. So that's why I, I love Matt and the stuff that he does. I love that he's supporting the community and he's somebody who's helping others get into the community. He's always been a positive force in the community I've never really seen, you know, negativity come from him. So he's another like Matt Mercer type for me, who's always supportive of the company to grow the comp the not the community. I mean, not the company, the, grow the community, bring more people in, uh, and help people stay. You know, that, those are the two things I think those two have done the most for and and many others. I'm only just picking those two up because mm-hmm. I think um they epitomize that.
0: Uh then uh, a little blurb came out yesterday uh That's what that I didn't see. The uh, the the writer of John Wick, the guy who created the John Wick Whoa. character and wrote the first, th- uh, the the three John Wick movies, um, Derek Colsted he apparently is interested in writing and developing a live action D anD D television series, um, and so this is not concrete in the slightest. All right. this news is is that he is set to write. A, a pitch a and play then or, if yeah, somebody yeah. wants to buy that pitch then he doesn't even have to be the writer on it anymore it's just the idea that like oh okay it was created by and that but it was written by somebody else so it might not be anything to do yeah. with him but um i i thought that was interesting that there there there's people talking you know there's no plot there's no anything for the series it could be animated it could be live action like they say mm-hmm. live action but they're they're up in the air. Uh, but. Colstad uh, worked on not only John Wick, but he is writing. Um, he's one of the writers on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier Disney Plus series that's coming up. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I really like the John Wick movies, but they're they're very mm-hmm. actiony. I think he was a a stunt man, the guy that wrote them. So he really oh, okay. knew how to get the shots he wanted. Or maybe Static that was the director, not the writer. I thought he was. I thought the writer was the director, but. I could be wrong. Anyway, uh, we will talk about that as more information comes out. uh, But it's kind of interesting that D&D is, you know, it's not... Well, I I would say it's been growing by leaps and bounds, but yeah, getting a movie and, I, and getting a TV series are going to be the next step. I think.
1: So. I feel like we're we're in an age where if somebody wants to put the money into it, it can be done correctly. It can be done so it looks mm-hmm. good. It could be a cool story. If you had somebody like the Russo brothers or you know uh, James Gunn or you know any of these people that are creating these cool action packed movies that do have effects but maybe you don't have to go overboard you can do like a you know like if you think about winter soldier the type of effects they had in that it was a lot of good fighting stuff maybe you had a few spell-like effects and all of a sudden you've got a DD movie if you if you do it right right and then yeah. there could be a cool story that's tying in really fun and cool characters together so we're at a time when it could we could do it like 10 years ago I don't think we had the technology they could do a story but we didn't have technology to show the dragon to be a really cool dragon or show that you know, we're now in that time where you could make some really cool looking trolls or really cool looking fight scenes of, you know, um them delving in some dungeon, you know, tomb of horror style dungeon or whatever it might be. I think you could really do it if they wanted to. So now it's just about, is somebody willing to do it? Is there a studio out there willing to put the money into it? Is there a director willing to write a good story and not like some of the stuff we've gotten before, right? Cause we've had, dungeons and dragons movies <laughs> they yes. they were um i don't know where the vision came for them i don't know who wrote them off and said yeah that's exactly like the dungeons <laughs> and dragons game i play on friday night and said yep we've got a, a hit here that was a somebody lied drab. to them <laughs> somebody totally lied to those people because that was not dungeons and dragons as far as i could tell that would so, be
0: i should make a video that would be an interesting video of like the 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 movie history of D just so people understand like because the yeah. contracts got linked to a company and then if they made a new movie they kept the rights so basically this company was like let's just make crappy movie after crappy movie so that we can hold on to the rights in case it blows up and we make a lot of money and it's the same thing fox did with uh uh fantastic four they're yeah. like, let's just keep ma- we gotta make anything and we hold on to these rights people. Marvel's big now, right? So they made that <laughs> terrible Fantastic Four movie. And yeah. it was just like doesn't doesn't have to make money, just has to hold on to the rights. <laughs> um anyway, really interesting stuff. Uh we're gonna we're yeah, we've talked for a lot, but we had a lot of news. Uh we're gonna transfer yeah. to a monster uh college where we George's come been excited up- about
1: this I have. all morning.
0: So uh over the week I've been making um uh, I made some I made some some really dumb overlays, so we're gonna to transition to my really dumb overlay. Are you guys ready for this?
1: <laughs>
0: All right. So this is the monster page number personal computer. It is currently calculating a random number for us, so that we can we can understand what's really happening. Um, and it looks like our number might be done. Uh, yeah. Okay. There we go. So we are uh, we are on page two o two is the number of our monster uh, PC. So looking up number 202 of the Monster Handbook, let's <laughs> let's see what we got here. Um,
1: Give us what do, a good What one. do you think it is? <laughs> oh my God, 202, that's in the middle. Oh, this part. is great.
0: This is going to be a really easy one, I think. Um, but it is a lich. <laughs> the lich is our uh monster of choice so now i go over here to uh this area and i say lich and you guys see behind the scenes that stuff happens on the screen and it's just crazy um but then we go over here and uh yeah there's a lich all right we're gonna talk about this lich
1: What crazy technology we have these days! I know. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it is so cool.
0: Um, going back over here so I can see chat. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so anyway, the graphics. I know, so exciting that that is a state of the art PC. Uh, so lich, 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 a CR twenty one creature. Um,
1: this is a big. This is a a campaign starting. This is your bad guy. This is your. Super bad, where you're sitting back and you're thinking, I've got this idea for a campaign. I'm going to have this lich as the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Here's his or her plan, his, her, or they's plan of what they've been doing to mess up and take over the world or destroy everything around exactly. them. And my players have to do something about it. But I'm going to show them a little bit in the beginning because he's too tough for them when they're first level. But they need to build up to them, you know, so we're going to have the the long campaign that lets them get powerful enough to take on a CR 21 character. Have you even ever in any games you've played, Mr. Dungeon Master Jordan, mm-hmm. have you fought a CR 21 character yet? Um, I don't think I've even fought a CR 21 creature in any campaign I've played.
0: This uh, is big time. You know, M- Miska the Wolf Spider was uh, that was in the 20s. I can't remember the exact number. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I a Lich, I am trying to think if I've even run a Lich. I don't think I have.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I I did the Lich in the Tomb of Horrors, but that's a weird demi-lich kind of a thing, and so I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. But um no, they're they're great. Uh I have uh a DM's Guild supplement that I bought called Gothnog's guide to lichdom or something. I don't know. It's over there on my book. I'll have to look it up. I'll put it in the things below. But that was a really cool resource where uh, this author just wrote some really fun, like here's the ways to become a lich if your players wanted to do that. And I thought that that was really
1: cool. So um, tell us a little about it in case there's somebody out there. I I can't imagine who somebody doesn't know about a lich but give us a little bit of the Oh yeah yeah. what can we expect from the lich? So, what are some of the cool uh, things that they think
0: they A are? lich is a usually a powerful well it is a powerful spellcaster and there yeah. are uh many opinions whether bards or and clerics can become liches or if it is only wizards but you essentially uh kill yourself and trap your soul in a a vessel called a phylactery. And that phylactery then houses your soul and keeps it from going to the afterlife, which at the same time allows your body to be animated and sentient. So you can still, you're you're undead, but you're still focused. Now your body's going to decay at an accelerated rate unless you feed life energy, i.e. other souls into your phylactery, which keeps your body sustained, so uh, and keeps your mind sharp. And so that's the other scary thing. If you don't put uh, other souls into the phylactery um, to sustain yourself, then uh, your your body will start to decay and your mind will go crazy. And in five E terms, that's where you get the weird disembodied floating skull that like is very dangerous but very crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. And so. Uh, famous liches, like Aserac. Um Vecna is another famous lich, but Aserarach specifically built the Tomb of Horrors to gather adventurers who are like, I'm going to make a lot of money in the Tomb of Horrors and then die. And when they die in that place, their souls go to the phylactery to keep Aserarach alive. So it's mm-hmm. it's kind of one of those things. And and a, a, a phylactery could be anything, apparently. Like, I think it could be a gem or a, a, yeah. a jar. It's like the
1: MacGuffin of the... Yeah. Uh...
0: Um, yep. I've I've heard, I've read stories where it's like a large stone. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's always the joke of like, make your phylactery a pebble or a grain of sand and throw it into the beach and no one will ever find it kind of a thing. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. Or um, will they? <laughs> or will they? But, uh, yeah. I mean, it gives off magical stuff, so whatever. But it would be cool. There's there's also a handful of magic items that when you wear it long enough, the curse is, is that it turns you into a lid. And I always thought that would be kind of a cool way uh, yeah. to turn a player inadvertently into a lich. Like, I would even pass him a secret card and be like, so you're cursed. This is probably what's going to happen to you. You know this, but you don't necessarily have to tell your friends about all of that. So mm-hmm. um, this is a tricky one because, I, I mean, that's he's an end boss, you know, in a way. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I would have a huge spell casting potential. I would Big have the, the bringing back the lich. You know, and so yeah. let's say you find uh, the like, well, I, I keep thinking of uh, Sauron, you know, and, and in The Hobbit, it's like there's a weird necromancer hanging out in Mirkwood and I got to go investigate that kind of a stuff. Um, mm-hmm. The the lich coming back to power, I think, is the story I would like to tell. And so your players are trying to find like, what's this weird cult and what are they doing? They're grabbing people and sacrificing them all in the name of funneling souls to the phylactery. To then have it, you know, yeah, phylact. That's what they do, phylacteries, phylact. Um, so doing all of that and then, uh, having the lich kind of get bigger and bigger and bigger, and then I don't know, the the end of the campaign, I guess, is either
1: he returns or they
0: prevent uh, that from happening. So,
1: yeah, yeah. I think for, for mine, I this is one where I kind of reward the players in that. This one would always be the absolute evil for me. So they don't even have to question. I'm not going to throw a a wrench in there to say, is he evil? Maybe he's not type thing. I'm going to make this one evil. I'm going to let their minions be totally because they're participating in gathering these souls in some way. And I almost think it's like maybe it's the head of of the empire next door that we call as the evil empire. And we're fighting against and their people are doing these things. And that's why they are evil. Mm -hmm. And just give them that clear black and white. It, you know, guilty conscience whatsoever, taking these people out of power and going after them and feeling good about you feel good about. We stop what they were doing, kind of because yeah. sometimes I like to challenge that. Sometimes I like to say, well, you might put something over here they think is evil. But if they dive into the story deeper, maybe there's something else going on there if they look for it. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't just jump to a conclusion or a stereotype. So I like to play around with that a little bit. But in this one, I would like to be just black and white. Let them just go, you know there's a bad guy, point them at him and see what they could do. I've always been fascinated too, this is not from a Dungeon Master's standpoint, of playing a character who has a character arc that starts out as somebody who just maybe learns about magic and loves it, and then how does that arc get you to a lich, right? Mm -hmm. So you'd almost have to work with a Dungeon Master who is willing to work with you to say, this story arc's about you going from somebody who finds magic for the first time what it does to you over a long span of time and how at the end you inevitably became that lich right. and the things you did and the choices you made and and just play around in that space a little bit. And you might only be able to do it in a book or a story or something. But it'd be interesting if you could have that type of story arc in a campaign with your dungeon master too. So that could be a pretty fun thing. So I, I think it's great. You're looking at big spells, though, too. I'm thinking like you can come up with some cool stuff that you don't have to take from the book. So from a Dungeon Master's perspective, you could make up some cool spells that you think this person should have or has researched Mm -hmm. or has created themselves because of the abilities they have. Mm -hmm. Um, You get to bring in a lot of the other undead that they could maybe command or have as bodyguards or what their ultimate goal is. And they could even have some cool enemies. So from a Dungeon Master's perspective... They're that powerful, and they've stayed that powerful by keeping their enemies at bay, but they definitely have some cool enemies out there. So what part of the story could they play, and what part of the story could your players do with that once they find out, oh, there's a couple of people out here that really don't like this person either. Maybe there's something we can do there, you know, yeah. type thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, man. I think it's a great character. Like, it's a great monster. It's a, yeah. it's a classic D&D monster, like... The lich, you know, that's like that's quintessential D D right there. I think,
0: man, I think I want to. Sorry, so everybody in chat, I was trying to show you the 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 book I bought, um, which was called uh, <laughs> "Blasphemous Abominations: The Lich" by Critical Hit Publishing. This is the Gothnog book that I was telling you about, and I got it in hardcover. It's 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 fun. Um, I haven't used it, but I really want to use it uh, to become a lich. I would like to have a dungeon master that allows me to go on that journey. Uh and, and I know it's very evil and so I don't necessarily want to play an evil campaign, but I like the idea of um I like the idea of that. I think it would be a lot of fun to uh to to do that transition. And that's like how you retire your character in a way, you know? Mm-hmm. So it'd be a lot of fun. Um right. but yeah, so we got ten minutes or so. Uh Mr Mr. The Lucian, what have you been doing in games?
1: Well, we're uh, we're doing Dungeon of the Mad Mage, uh, so we're still playing through that. We uh, I need you to do a, a
0: floor a week, so we can know, get through this. I know that's what we want. Okay, <laughs> we're
1: not we're not doing that. Uh, we've survived the two parter attack on Waterdeep. Um, the cool thing about this is is we found out that they just we went and fought Xanathar in his lair and made him mad. We thought we killed him, but then not today. He he had some trickery to fool us. And then we got attacked immediately after when we went back to our home to, to rest. And we thought, oh, well, we made him mad and he came and attacked us. We have just found out that Xanathar has decided to attack the entire town of Waterdeep. So Blackstaff got attacked. A bunch of other places got attacked. Uh, the Yawning Portal got hammered. Like So apparently this is a part of a much bigger attack than we thought. It wasn't just that we went down there and tried to kill him uh, and mess with his stuff. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think we're ready to go back down to the to the next level um, and get back down. We're going to be on fourth level the next time we dive into um, the dungeon, mm-hmm. and we know we have like twenty something levels to go at least. And, you know, so we got some we got some ways to go yet. Um, it's been fun. It's a enjoyable campaign that's action packed, lots of combat to it, lots of cool ability uses. Cause our dungeon master lets us use a lot of crazy. We've used all the subclasses. Like we've got guys <laughs> that are multi-class and in, into three of the subclasses at this point. Um, because now there's so many to choose from. They're trying to get, you know, abilities from all over. So now my guys are really, you know, the party's min maxing, but there's some fun, mm-hmm. um, role playing going on. There's some fun, um, game to it. And those are on the Tuesday nights. So that's been fun. I think it's a good dungeon delve. I'm ready to get back into fourth level and see where we go from there that's past kind of the Skullport part and that's past really anything I've ever read about or heard about for dungeon of the mad mage. I, I've heard a little bit about Skullport before. I've heard a little bit about what level one or two might look like, um, but I never really got any info past that. So I feel like I'm really getting into the mystery of what the rest of it's going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know it's Halister's crazy fun room you know, kind <laughs> of thing and he's crazy and he's got a met crazy uh, apprentices and stuff. But from that point on, I just don't know what we're going to come across. I don't know what we're going to be doing. So it'll be interesting to see, and it's been really fun. Um, I'm also getting excited. In just a few days, uh, we should be getting together to talk about uh, a Monster of the Week game, um, and I'm excited to see where that goes mm-hmm. and what, um, what kind of comes about that because it sounds like it could be a really fun one-shot that I'm getting super amped up about, yeah. You know, getting excited to play. You know, just a fun one-off. Character. It's a fun. It's a fun um, system. The more I've been reading about it, and so I'm also yeah. excited to play because I haven't played so, it. So, so that's what Lucian's done. But what about Jordan? We got seven minutes to regale us with all of your Dungeons yeah. and Dragons goodness. Well, um, I, the way we were talking about
0: how powerful, uh, I should check out the Guide to the Lich. I will do that, uh, Shozama. Um, I, blah 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 blah, played my Wild Mount game. Um, and, uh, the dragon, when we last left, we had banished a dragon and then we destroyed the enemy that was like holding the dragon hostage, but the dragon is like mind controlled. So when it came back, we were trying not to attack the dragon, but get it, get it out of its domination that it was, it was mind controlled. Um, and it had this weird collar on it. So we did a lot of interesting checks where we were. Um, I ended up casting Grease to try and like get the collar to like wiggle off. And then I mm-hmm. did a lot of like acid damage to like dissolve it. Um, so it kind of turned into a pseudo skill challenge, but it was really fun. And then afterwards we explored around the area because we're like, where? what is this place? Like who was this guy that attacked us with a dragon? How does he have a dragon like that? Um, and we ended up going into a underground dungeon and we found his like home. Uh, And we ran into some NPCs that we had seen a while ago, and we were curious why they were there. Lots of questions get answered. I also missed, like, a month and a half, so a lot of times everyone at the table goes like, Oh, it's him! And I'm like, Who is this? Like, I don't... What? (laughs) Which is so funny, because we talk about, like, you know, you're gone for one session, and then all of a sudden your players are flying around on a... uh, uh, mind, flow, mind Flare Nautiloid and you're like, how did we yeah. get here? We were in a forest. What is happening? So, what did you guys do while I was gone? Yeah, exactly. So like, that's been kind of the running joke. Is like, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's been fun. I, I'm still really excited. I've got a new spell that I created. Uh, Josh's Conjured Weapon um, mm-hmm. where uh, I create, basically I kind of reflavored the uh, Mordenkainen's flying dagger or what is that spell called i can't remember um but the the level seven spell where you summon a blade of force that like flies around and does damage and i was like what if we like lowered the level and it didn't and i didn't allow it to fly around and i and maybe got rid of concentration so i could just like have a blade of force in my hand and then uh if i take the attack action i could bonus action attack again or something so i kind of like flavored it so i could have this gish uh spellcaster that i've always wanted to play (laughs) um so we're gonna whenever i I level up i'm gonna take that spell and then we'll play around with that and it could be a lot of fun and i'll put my my uh fighter friend to shame and he's like where'd you get that it'll be awesome Your DM Um,
1: is indulging your spell creation yeah it's been is this fun. happening in downtime or how how is it your character has time to do this in the middle of adventuring?
0: Well, whenever we level, um, you can take a spell. And so with my uh, my dungeon master, we've just been talking that like, you know, the the two hours before sleep kind of thing. I'm working mm-hmm. on new magic and stuff like that. And I'm investing the gold and stuff into it. So creating a new spell costs money. And so a lot of my gold goes into... I bought ingredients to kind of perfect this spell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's one of my new spells when I eventually level up. Uh, but I I took a... a or I, I, Josh A's conjured tower. And so I can conjure this tower. So anytime we take a long rest, I usually conjure this tower. And then from that tower, I have a... Room that is just mine that is for magical research. So the idea is that I'm always kind of researching and stuff. So yeah, gotcha. It's part of the fun.
1: Part of the fun of the game.
0: (laughs) Um, but before we go, I wanted to talk to you about this because I think it was something I I was just reminded when you were talking about uh your your game in Dungeon of the Mad Mage. But have you heard of Gestalt characters in D anD D? No, I had never heard of this before. But I don't know. I had never heard of this before, but it is a variant way to play Dungeons and Dragons where you, when you level, you take two classes at once. So you're like, I'm going to be a fighter and a druid, and you get the benefit of both of those, but you only get one hit die and like between the two, so you take the higher one, and you only get uh, the proficiency bonus once, and 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 an ASI only allows you to upgrade one. But, Mm -hmm. you know, by level two or two, if you were a cleric and a druid, you would have shape change and channel divinity. Yeah. And you're still limited by your actions. But I was reading online, I had never heard of this before, and I was like, that sounds like a really fun way to play. And people on Reddit were saying, it's very powerful, um, but you are almost a glass cannon. Like, you can do a whole bunch, but uh, let's say two Gestalt characters... Are not as powerful as four regular characters, kind of a thing. So if you want to try this account. out, you could. Uh, and I kind of want to play a game like this because I think <laughs> that's the. I think that's the twist that yeah. would that would make me be like I rather than more subclasses and all this other stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. I think
0: combining two things like that would be a, a new interesting way to play. And so I was gonna. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I I'd would, never heard of that. I know you've been playing RPGs about. longer than me, but. Yeah, Mm -mm. it's kind of fun. I'm not of that. Although it is interesting, 5e characters are already powerful. Yeah. But what I like about that is you have a lot of flexibility in maybe creating a character that you didn't feel like you could create through the way the rules work now. Yeah. Like if you really wanted to hone in on I can do this thing, but I need to be able to do this thing. And right now they're separated into these classes Mm -hmm. that I can't really get to. I've always thought it, the one idea that's similar to that, but I haven't figured out how to do it, is sometimes I want more than one subclass from the same main class. Yeah, I I want to be the fighter samurai, but then I also want to dive a little bit into, let's say, arcane archer or something. And yeah, yeah, yeah or the echo knight or um the psi warrior one. You know, like I want my blades to be the Psy blades, but then I want the the cool aesthetic of the samurai warrior and the, and the cool stuff that's yeah. that. And yeah, it's powerful and yeah, it's probably why you can't do it, but I've always thought, Oh, that's such a cool thing that there's a couple of subclasses. I'd like to meld together and play that character. It would be yeah. a cool, fun character. So I'm sure there, you could probably do it. I think as a dungeon master, if you're, if your players want to do that, you just realize that you're going to be throwing tougher things at them, mm-hmm. which is where they become the glass cannon. Because if I have to throw in CR two, things at these gestalt characters and that's a tough fight well if the dice rolling goes bad it could go bad quickly for them with thus they're the glass cannon
0: yeah they
1: have a lot of cool stuff to overcome it but usually it's a lot more on the edge so you might like a game like that so mm-hmm. i could see somebody running that and really enjoying it because it's a very you don't know what's going to happen it's very swingy you yeah. know on how what what would happen to that so, yeah
0: um interesting. i i i'm gonna go to D beyond really quick because people were asking me about my my spell <laughs>
1: that i was like i gotta remember sure. what it is you um, turn, you're mad you're so green right now ho- oh i'm green you're green right now
0: i hosted this time though
1: what's wrong I with know. you
0: what did what's you wrong do? with you
1: what did you i'm do? not green we need to end this you're so mad hulk Jordan has appeared. Oh, it's awful. So
0: uh, Joshi's Conjured Weapon is a third level spell. It lasts for 10 minutes without concentration. Um, mm-hmm. And and a lot of people are saying, why don't you just use Shadow Blade? And that's a great example. But I wanted, a, I wanted a, a weapon that I could use that was my intelligence modifier to hit rather than my dexterity. And Shadow Blade is like a regular weapon that you're proficient with. So this way, I have a Blade of Force that does uh I think it was it's one d ten damage, and then I can scale it up. so uh not one d ten plus your intelligence like a regular weapon, but if I cast it at fourth level, I get two d ten and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, oh,
1: gotcha.
0: and then uh I also like the I wanted to be able to attack twice. so if you cast this spell, um and if I hit somebody with the spell, then as a bonus action, I can attack again. And so that was the idea is that I wanted to attack twice and using your bonus action. So, yeah, it's been fun. And it does force damage. Um, and that's, yeah, it's just kind of a cool, my, my little silly spell. But that's my spell. Um, right. I am done. Anything, anything we can talk about?
1: That is it. Okay. We talked about the I'm news. All green. We talked about the monsters. You're not green anymore. It only lasted for a couple of seconds all right. there. Hulked out. I can't help it, guys. Hulked out. Uh,
0: we will be back next week with another episode
1: of the Saturday Morning D&D show. What we'll be talking
0: about, I have no idea. But something will happen during the week, because it always does. And we're going to be back with more <laughs> monsters and refined uh, green palettes and things like that. Uh, game on. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.